Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, continue. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, anyway, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of what it was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. I uh, I originally my first my first times of compulsive eating as a child. I remember my mom would fix certain foods, and I would overeat them to the point that I would feel this numbness. It just felt so good. And, uh, and then as I got older and in school, I had this weight problem and it was very aggravating for me. And I was so ashamed of myself. And then in high school, I was dating this one girl and she wanted someone to cheer for her or to cheer for her in pep club and stuff like that. So I had joined, uh, I joined uh, wrestling. That was in my senior year. And I went from 225 like down to 170. I mean, I realize numbers aren't important, but there was a certain emptiness that I found when I'd lost this weight because I thought that I should be happy and I just wasn't experienced in this happiness that I thought I should be experiencing. Anyhow, I went to school, I went to a trade school, took up diesel technician, and uh, I guess I should say, I, I as I introduce myself, I'm sorry that I'm a little bad here. I'm from the Omaha area, a town by the name of Plattsmouth. And um, I'm, I'm uh, 60, 69 years old. Uh, so we're talking back in 1971, I'm talking high school, that's when I graduated. And uh, anyhow, uh, after I went to tech school, uh, then I got married and I still had this weight problem and then I joined Weight Watchers and I become one of those Weight Watcher stars because I'd lose the weight so fast, but then I couldn't keep it off. You know, uh, and uh, I I had my lifetime membership with Weight Watchers, and so for I don't know, seems like I'd go back, I'd use that that membership, and I would lose the weight, and then pretty soon it would creep back on. Well, then I decided if I become a lecturer for Weight Watchers, well, I'd have to keep it off. All that did is create more pressure, because uh, <laughs> there comes a time when I couldn't, I, I I didn't understand what was going on in my head. And, and uh, I, I, I'd start, I'd get back into compulsive eating again. Well, then uh, at that time, this is before the internet days, uh, in the Omaha World Herald, they had uh, a section, uh, this Dear Abby or Ann Landers, whichever one, and the, the story about a, a 12 step group over, called Overeaters Anonymous. And at a church function, I was talking to a lady and they had a group of Overeaters Anonymous group and uh, she had given me a, uh, a lifeline, which is, as many of you probably know, the lifeline was formerly the magazine that uh, Overeaters Anonymous had published uh, and no longer do they do that. But I read that from cover to cover and I was just so impressed with it. And I identified, what was neat is that I was able to identify with other people. I mean, there was other people out there like me they could lose the weight, but they couldn't keep it off. I mean, what what was what's the drive? What was the problem with it? And uh, anyhow, so in 19 in the fall of 1989, I joined my uh, first OA group. It was uh, it was a men's group. It was in West Omaha. Uh, wow, I I mean, here we sit down, and uh, these men start sharing things. You know, and men don't share. I mean. My experience with men has been they could they could be standing in a lake, freezing there, freezing cold with alligators all around and snowing, 
and everything's fine, you know. <laughs> and here these men were sharing stories, and I fell in love with Overeaters Anonymous. I just, I really fell in love, and I went from compulsive overeater to a compulsive dieter. Uh, I, I mean, I was, I was living a very rigid lifestyle. And I was enjoying the stories. I, I for seven years, I was, I was squeaky clean. I probably had a bit of a, a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde attitude. My wife didn't know which guy, which, which person I was going to be. I was either terribly crabby or, or you know, happy, whichever. But it was, it was very difficult. She even left me for a while. Fortunately, we're still together today. Um, uh, Anyhow, uh, as time went on and I started leading groups myself in Overeaters Anonymous, I went to AA Central Office to pick up literature. And one of the ladies there uh, in the group, I had grabbed a whole bunch of stuff. And at this time, Overeaters Anonymous allowed a lot of other, uh, other uh, literature from other, other places. And... Uh, and AA did too. So I grabbed all this literature and I walked to the front desk and I, the lady said there, well, what are you doing? And I says, well, I, I'm working on my recovery. That's, that's why, because part of my compulsion when I was working on the recovery was to try to read everything. I mean, I, I joined AA, I joined OA. Well, I had, I was joining OA, but I joined AA and I went even went to Al-Anon meetings because I was just wanted to know everything about the program. And it's just, it was, it was part of my compulsive nature. And this lady looked at me and she held up the big book and she stuck at my face and said, you know something, everything you need to know is in this book. It's in the first 164 pages. You don't need all that other stuff. So from about that time on, I, I become somewhat of a big book thumper. Uh, you know, uh, Bill Wilson in AA Comes of Age wrote a statement that says that the good is the enemy of the best and uh, speaking for myself the best for me to do is to work on the recovery through the the oa uh, a, the AA book I'm, I'm not saying anything against uh oa stuff but i do an uh, aa the AA big book is approved so this is this is what we work on uh, or what i've been working on and uh, Mike had mentioned to me that I need to pick a topic for tonight. My topic was going to be step one. And uh, this, um, uh, the doctor's opinion on page XXVI in the third edition is what I'm going to read. And uh, I, anyhow, this is what reminds me of, of, of what my working with my recovery has been or how difficult it is. Anyway, Dr. Silkworth, he had written this. He says, men and, men and women overeat essentially because they like the effects produced by the food. The cessation is so exclusive that while admitting it's injurious, they cannot after time deficiate the true from the false. To them, their overeating lifestyle seems a normal one. They are restless, irritable, discontented, unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes by at once overeating. Overeating, which they see others do with impunity. After they had succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomena of the craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to do that again. 
This is repeated over and over unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for overeating. The only effort necessary be, being that required to follow a few simple rules. And that's when the whole thing started to make sense to me on this, this overeating problems that, I, that I've had. And I still have problems with it. I mean, the third tradition said the only requirement for an OA membership is the desire, the desire to stop eating compulsively. I wouldn't come to OA if it wasn't that I wanted to lose weight because uh, overeating, is, it can be therapeutic, but it's not the right way for me to do it. I have to, I, I have to fall on the big book, even in a vision, there's also uh, earlier the group read a vision for you out of the Brown book of, uh, of Overeaters Anonymous. There's also a vision for you in the back, back of the first 164 pages of uh, Overeaters Anonymous that, not Overeaters Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, that talks about the relationship that I have to have with my fellow overeaters. And uh, I mean, Mike, our leader tonight for the meetings tonight, and I, we've been together in a Friday night group that was a, a big book study in Omaha until the pandemic. Uh, so uh, anyhow, uh, and we listened to guys like Joe and Charlie, uh, which is, they lead a, a, a big book study. Uh, there's, a, there's another gentleman by name of Harlan that's an Overeaters Anonymous that leads Big Book Study, a fellow by name of Lori that leads Big Book Study out of, uh, out of uh, Winnipeg, Canada. And uh, then there's also these two gals, uh, Barb and Julie, that has a Big Book Study. And they've been most helpful for me because they give me a strong foundation of, of what I need to know and, and, and believe in. Um, uh, Uh, I, anyhow, uh, gosh, I get stuck on this thing because I don't usually speak that often, but, um, um, uh, it's, uh, I, I, I do have still struggle with it sometimes with my compulsive reading. I've got a hundred and I think 184 days that I have, uh, had a squeaky clean abstinence, um, and it's not that squeaky clean that I worry about. I mean, if I have to, because I still farm, once in a while I have to skip a meal because things have to be done because uh, there's a certain amount of time that stuff has to be done. And, uh, and I don't beat myself up for it. Uh, it's just, it's just a, a food thing. Uh, um, also, uh, I, I still work a lot out of the big book. Uh, and then the meeting, the meetings are Friday night. So anyhow, roughly there's, Gosh, there's about, see, I got eight minutes left here, I see, and, and I've kind of told my story here. So, Mike, if uh, you want to open up for sharing. Thank you, Rob.